beforehand, just so you know, um, Jim and I always talk about, joke about how we do sermonettes sometimes. This is not one. This is not a sermonette. It is a sermon because there's just absolutely no way that I could not make it a sermon. So um, if I don't land the plane and everyone's on the ground, be like, shut up! Like, tell me that. We'll get there. Um, I did 30 hours, and I, I never talk about this, but I did 30 hours of prep uh, on this message alone. Um, what? Because, and I, and I want you to know why, um, this is such an important topic, and we can't afford to get it wrong. Um, so um, just starting that out, and to be fair to Scripture, anything about um, salvation should never be taken lightly. Um, so I'm going to be using Luke 8, 4 through 15. So if you have your Bibles, you can open those now. Um, we'll get to it. It is the um, parable of the sower. Uh, if you're a little familiar with that, um, we're really going to dig into that. Um, and get into the, the details. Um, so the reason that are real questions about this topic itself is one, it's about salvation. So it's kind of important. Um, and two, it's um, because in scripture, there are a few verses, um, especially in Hebrews, if you've ever read um, Hebrews, it's a very confusing book. Um, but a few other places, when you look at, um, scripture about eternal salvation, um, there's some seemingly um, some contradictions. So we have a um, plethora of verses on one side saying that you can't lose your salvation. And then we look at um, books like Hebrews. And when you look at those verses in Hebrews, you might conclude, one could conclude, that you could lose your salvation. So when you look at those verses... You're like, okay, you know, I want to be truthful to God's word, but in the same vein, I've heard all these other verses that say something else. So that is why it's a hot topic, right? Because there are two, there, there are people on both sides. I know pastors who are faithful to God's word, and yet they believe you can lose your salvation. So um, with that being said, um, the next week, or two weeks from now, the 31st, we're really going to dig into those verses. We're going to go ham, okay? Um, but tonight, what I want to do is kind of more of an intro to kind of talk about specifically salvation as a whole and what that means for us in light of this debate, okay? Um, so one thing I, I do want you guys to know is that Colts Neck Community Church, the pastors at Colts Neck Community Church, um, we, across the board, all agree that you can't lose your salvation. Now, this is not to say that if you believe something opposite, you're a heretic, okay? If you believe something else that you're a sinner or anything even close to that. Um, what I'm trying to say is, um, I'm telling you this for your background knowledge, so you know where our church, Coltsnack Community Church, and if you don't go to that, that's not your church, um, where we stand on this issue. Because I think it's very important to, to get that. So, um, But more importantly, I, I urge you to do your own research. I really do. I urge you to ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate his word and open up your eyes to the truth. Because we all know every single one of us is flawed. Right? We're not perfect. And if anyone tells you that they know everything the word of God says, they're a quack. 
okay? Because it's not possible. It definitely is uh, not possible. All right, so, um, and when we look at God's word, sometimes um, we want to put God's word kind of in, into a box, our own theological boxes, kind of our narrative. And when we look at the Bible, sometimes we're like, oh, this doesn't make sense for me. So what I'm going to do is just kind of ignore that text or even use a proofreading text where we just pull a, a verse randomly out like Jesus wept. OK, cool. We'll use that for for something. Right. OK. And then we try to use that to support our point of view. So that's why I think it's really important. And especially when you look at the, the rift of denominations. There are many denominations that believe that you can lose your salvation, and there are some denominations, Bible-believing churches, that b believe something else. So this is why this is still a raging theological question today. So tonight, regardless of where you land on this issue, I want you guys to know one thing. Jesus Christ lives and he reigns. He died on the cross, and three days later, he was resurrected and to new life, and he grants salvation as a free gift to all who believes. He pursues us, he loves us, he defends us, and every way he holds us in his loving arms. And in him, friends, there is joy that all our cares, all our fears, everything lays at his foot of the cross. So Colossians, and I want to read this because I think it's important because what we're going to get into is a little sticky. The Bible is a little sticky. It is, right? Because it confronts our sin. We don't want to hear that we're a sinner. And guess what? I'm a huge sinner, right? Wretched, saved by grace, right? But thank the Lord for his grace. Colossians 1.16, 20 reads this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and by him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he may be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood on, of his cross. That is the Jesus we serve. He has it all figured out. So if tonight you go home and you can't put losing your salvation or not losing your salvation into your theological box, it's okay. <laughs> because he has it all figured out. So even though we don't, he does. All right. So I want to start off with what this question about salvation is not, okay? Because it's important that I make that distinction, okay? So what this question about salvation is not. This question about salvation is not about anyone here 
including me, judging you for you and your salvation. Okay? I want to make that clear. James 4.12 says this, There's only one lawgiver and one judge who is able to save and destroy. Let me tell you, it's not me. Right? I make a very bad God. But who are you? They're laughing because they know. Right? And Dean is cracking up. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? None of us can judge our neighbor. Everyone, as Brandon said, has their own story. Thank you, friend. Everyone has their own story. And I want you to know something. God is not done writing yours. He's not. He's not done. He's not done with you yet. So I'm not here to judge you. I can't. Um, and lastly, it's not about throwing your sin in your face. Right? I'm not here to scare you into hours of you grappling in fear about you losing your faith while maybe at home in the fetal position. Okay? Right? Like, that is not what I, I'm, I'm here for. And... Let us remind us what John 8 says. He is without sin among us. Let him cast the first stone. Well, let me tell you, we all have sin, every single one of us. And I'll tell you right now, back in college, I was a huge hypocrite, huge hypocrite. And I was a very bad example of who Christ was. So if anyone's going to get stones thrown at them, throw them at me because I deserve them. Okay, so I'll make that clear. All right, so now let's frame the question what the question's really about, can you lose your salvation, is really about a root question. That it really shouldn't be, can you lose your, your salvation? The real question should be, do we have salvation in the first place? That's, that's the real question that we should examine. Or if we go even a little deeper here, okay, oh, there we go. All right, forgive me if my slides are off. Um, not a tech-savvy person. Okay. The root of the question, right, um, even deeper than just did we have salvation in the first place is the question, is the posture or nature of my heart, which is the vehicle and catalyst of all my actions and everything that I do, the heart is deceitful above all things, right? Um, but my heart, is that in submission or surrender to Christ's authority in your life and my life? That's, that's the real question. So I'm, I'm going to repeat it again. The real question is, right, not, you know, can I lose my salvation? Did we have it in the first place? But going deeper, the question is, is and I, I want you to, to, to pay attention to the words here, is the posture, right, the posture of our heart, which is the vehicle and the catalyst of all the actions that we, we do, is that in a surrender or submission to Christ's authority in your life and in my life? So I, I, I love this definition. Um, it's by a guy named J.D. Greer. Um, he spells it with an A, which is weird, threw me off when I looked at his name. Um, but he offers this book. Um, that's an aside, but he offers this book. He says um, in the book, Stop Asking Jesus in Your Heart, which I thought really funny title of a book um because we've done it right nine times right at our youth rallies and whatnot um salvation is not a prayer you pray in a one-time ceremony and then you move on from it no salvation is a posture of repentance and faith 
that begins in a moment and you maintain for the rest of your life. So, a lot of us understand that salvation is not earned. A lot of us may not know that. It's, it's freely given. Um, it's not something that you can pray your way to salvation or be good enough to earn your salvation because it's impossible. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And confessing your sin and repenting in your heart in faith that, that God would forgive you and save you from it as he has done in the cross, well, that will save you. But remember, these are all dependent actions, not independent, dependent actions on Christ Jesus, relying on Christ to save you, to forgive you, to forgive us, to give us righteousness for his salvation. So in no part, and this is important for all of us to understand, right? So in no part is saving yourself or you being the reason you have salvation. I was clear on that. So for me, when um, I started hearing about uh, Christianity as a teen, um, it was just a one-time prayer. Um, I prayed it. I was kind of like, voila, right? I'm saved, quote unquote, right? Um, and as you know, before I was saying, it's really funny that people think it's a one and done thing. For me, it was like a nine and done, right? Like I felt like every conference I went to, if you uh, grew up in the church, you probably went to these really epic names for retreats, like the Verge Youth Conference or Ascend the Hill Retreat. And every conference in the late uh, not, uh, the 90s or early 2000s had some epic name and some trash logo on their uh, T-shirt, right? Um, and so, yeah, well, it could be, right? That was, I'm sorry. The mar- did you have a marketing team? Uh, n- no. <laughs> could be it. Could be it. So what happened at these retreats would be um, everyone was super excited to be there. Um, the pastor would give this you know, beautiful um, sermon. Um, and then the music, after it was done, the music would, would slowly come up and uh, the pastor would ask everyone to come and rededicate their life. Um, and the people would stream to the front. Uh, they'd be like, oh, we're going to be on fire for Christ again. Um, hands raised. There'd be some group crying, like ugly crying, like snot rockets flying out of people's noses. The girl has makeup and now she looks like she's a goth because it's streaming down her face, right? And uh, big, you know, group hugs. Um, but, but something hit me when I, when I thought about the, this, this scenario and these situations. But behind all of this, like, rededication, right? Like, come rededicate your life to Christ. There were some assumptions there, right? There were some assumptions that many people had lost their salvation, and we're going up to the front to profess faith again, right? Prevalent in the 90s, prevalent into the early 2000s, regardless of what the church you went to. So this, this is funny, too. I remember as a youth pastor, um, I had a youth group kid. And uh, we were talking about baptism, and he's excited to get baptized, which is awesome. Like, I'm really excited. And um, I found out that he's been baptized twice. And he's, like, talking into getting to, you know, being baptized the third time. And so, you know, we had a long talk about what baptism means and how to put your trust and faith in, in Christ Jesus and, you know, what baptism was really about. And biblically speaking, when, you know, at your conversion, you know, a little time after you should, you know, get baptized, right, regardless 
I found out that, that he wanted to be baptized because he pretty much liked hot tubs. So he's a junior higher. I'm like, typical junior higher, right? So we have all these ideas of, you know, what salvation means and, you know, misguided understanding. And he's a youth, youth leader, so he's getting it there. Yeah. Um, but, but regardless, right? What does scripture really say about genuine faith? Right? Genuine faith. And if there's any biblical proof in scripture that you can lose your salvation, even if you're a genuine Christian. So going back to that term salvation, back to Greer, speaking of salvation as a posture of repentance and faith. And I'm going to mention that a couple times here. Um, that you begin in a moment and maintain it for the rest of your life. So his definition of salvation starts no elsewhere but in Luke 8 in the parable of the sower. So if you have your Bibles, um, let's dig in here. I'm hungry. Let's read. So <laughs> Luke... Just eight. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Sarcasm. Um, all right, so we're going to do the parable of the sower. We're going to move down to the purpose of the parables. Um, and I'm going to start in verse 4. Let me know if you're there. You got it? You got it? Okay, I'm reading out of the ESV, the extra saved version. <laughs> so, yeah, you got that one. Um, just kidding. But, anyway. All right, here we go. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from a town after came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock as it grew and withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and it choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things, he called out, he who has ears, let them hear. And when his disciples asked him about what the parables meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables. So, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand, now the parable is this. Now he explains it. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock, that those are who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, fall away. And as for those who fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and pleasures of life, and their fruits do not mature. As for in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word of God, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. This is the word of the Lord. So, in this parable, we see four types of soil. We see four types of seed here being laid out, okay? The gospel is that seed. We see four seeds in this parable. And this parable definitely relates to salvation, right? It is about salvation. And we need to be careful here, okay? I don't know about you. But if you've read this text many of times, 
Sometimes we immediately like to assume that we are the good soil. In verse 15, my heart goes there. When I'm looking at it, I'm like, I, yeah, I'm the, I'm, I'm the good soil, right? And there's so much pride in that statement alone. It's a, it's a dangerous position for us to assume, like I have, without any analysis of our hearts before the Lord, that we are that good soil. And we need to ask the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to reveal to us the state of the soil in our hearts. And this, this parable, above all, is a challenge for every listener that is reading or hearing the word that the Spirit can be the one that indeed cultivates the soil in our heart. Going back to salvation, it is not our, it's Christ. Right? He has given it to us in a free gift. So the truth of God's word here is forever rooted in our hearts, regardless of what happens on the outside, if we are a true believer. So in this way, if we're honest with ourselves right, about being authentic believers in Christ Jesus, it's important that we look at this with our eyes open wide, saying, okay, maybe for a moment... I may not be that soil that I always thought I was, myself included. It's important that we take the blinders off and say, okay, God, okay, work in my heart. Tell me if I'm that good soil. So Jesus states four types of soil. We're going to go through each one. Okay, so first, the soil, there's a lot of writing on there, but it's okay, right? First, the soil on the path, right? And as a teacher, you don't. Put a bunch of words on the screen, so I'm breaking the Ten Commandments of, of teaching. I'm sorry, okay? It's good for you to see it. First, the soil on the path. Those people who have heard the word, but the devil comes and takes it away. And takes away the word from their heart, so they will not be saved and not believe. So this soil here that Jesus is talking about is very skin deep, right? There's, there's, that, there's, that's it. Just boom, right there. There's, there's no root that goes deeper here. When we look and compare the first soil, right, to the last soil, okay, and it's important that we compare the soils here, okay, I'm like a scientist, okay, doing some science experiment, okay. Uh, verse 15, when we compare the two, says this, that those who are hearing the word hold it fast and honest in a good heart and bear fruit with Patience, patient endurance. So that's important when we look at the words here. The words hold fast remind us that Jesus was telling us to cling to the word of God. Hold fast. He's talking about the seed, which is the gospel here, to cling to the word of God. Authentic believers cling to the word of God. So, when we look at this word, hold fast, it's almost like you think about a mother holding a newborn baby, right? Really close, tightly around herself uh, to her chest in a parable here in a way that you would be able to nourish your baby. And with this seed here, if you are holding fast as an authentic Christian, 
Again, we all have to look at that, okay, in me included, right? Nourishing, holding fast, is you could grow and bear fruit. If you're nourishing, if you're being nourished by the word of God, the Holy Spirit should be working in your heart for you, for, for you to be able to grow in Christ, to mature, to be the man of God or the woman of God that God wants you to be. So the text says here, bear fruit with patient endurance here. Because it is the desired outcome for every single one of us who truly love Christ. That we would bear fruit. Through patience, through time, we continue to work the soil and continue in faith to trust God till the very end. The very end. So I think this is the next slide. It is. Thank you, technology. John 8, 31-32 says this. If you continue... Important word, okay? If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. Wait a minute. Back up. Rewind. If you continue in my word, that's startling, okay? That's a startling claim here. If you continue in my word, you are truly disciples, and you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So in other translations that I looked up, the word is continue is abide and hold. But all three of those words mean to hold steadfastly and preserve till the very end of our humans' lives. Now Matthew 10, 22, yeah, um, says this, and you will be hated by all people because on my account of my name, he who endures to the end, will be saved. So whoever endures in their faith will be saved. So when we compare the first soil to the last soil, in comparison, the first soil was quickly discarded, right? And given up, trampled upon, almost like they never heard the word of God, even though that they received it. So it's almost like maybe you hear a TED Talk, Okay, and you're all right, good. You receive the TED Talk. You hear it, and you're like, oh, that's good information. Maybe I should write it down. And you don't. Okay, right? It's almost like that in this first soil, right? It says that they heard it, but they did not, they did not receive the word, and it did not take root. Okay, yes, we're rooted. I'm not making a joke, okay? But I'm not. <laughs> but no, really, that it says it was, <laughs> it did not take root, in their heart. Now, what you're going to see in all these soils is the true one, just the fourth one. There is a root. All the others, there is not a root. Now, it may seem as though there is a root. We're going to go over that when we look at this text because there's some words, but that's why we're doing this, okay? All right, so some, even in the first one, they, they might hear the message begrudgingly. Right. So maybe they might be in church for their whole lives and their parents are like, hey, you know, like I want you to read the Bible. And for me, sometimes it was a punishment. Right. Because I messed up. My parents would help me read. You know, hey, I want you to read the Bible. So not that that's a horrible thing, but in my mind, I thought it was a punishment and I didn't like it. I was like, oh, OK, if the word of God is punishment, then like, I don't want to do it. Right. But some begrudgingly go to church. Some begrudgingly ask God in their heart, so to speak, because they want to make their parents happy. And they're really, the, God is not on the throne of their life. 
They just do it because they want to show faith, right? So here, it's almost like when the world deceives these people, right? Deceives us, and, and there's something we can, we can take from every single seed, right? We still get deceived by the world, okay? It's not them people, it's me. We get deceived by the world. Even if we are authentic Christians, we still can be deceived. Don't be deceived, <laughs> right? Okay, so here, these people... Sometimes they, the gospel tickles their ears. They hear it, they're like, oh, that's good, right? But they never had salvation, and it's very clear. And salvation, again, is a posture of repentance and faith and turning, enduring till the end. Okay, so something we can take away from the first one, okay? Application mode. Maybe there are sometimes we don't allow space for the word in our everyday lives, right? I know I don't. Um, when we ask the Lord to be in our hearts, we're not just asking him to be our savior and save us from sins, okay? What we're asking is saying, Lord God, right? I want you to be everything. I want you to be my thoughts. I want you to be my desires. And I want you to lead my actions. I want you to pursue me so I can pursue you and understand your word and what you want. Stop making me, right? Because a lot of times we make ourselves into God. We, and, and Brandon even talked about that. So many times we say, all right, God, you know, like make me into the man that I want to be. No, right? Like, okay, I'll pastor this church if blank. Or I will never go to the mission field because, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or I'll never do this. The Lord does it. Right? So praying this prayer and saying, Lord God, make me into the person you want me to be instead of the person I want to be. Right? And surrendering and saying, all right, Lord. Right? I, there are a lot of times we don't make space in our lives for God. So something for us to think about. And if that's something you can relate to, you're not alone. So I think every single one of us can relate to that. Okay. Second, the rocky soil. Oh. Nope. Nope. Let's go back. There we go. No, that's a Bible verse. Not the rocky soil. Okay, there we go. The rocky soil. All right. So those on rocky soil are who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But again, here they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time, in testing, they fall away. Well, wait. The text says they believe. That's weird, right? It says they believe and receive it even with joy for a while. So does this text mean that someone who genuinely believes in Christ can believe and lose their salvation? No. The text does not mean that. We need to look at the context. So we look in verse 5, okay? Look in verse 5. It says, And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture or water. So if they had no water, it couldn't grow. And if it couldn't grow, there could be no root. And if you have no root, you can be easily picked out of the ground and you cannot endure or stand strong until the end. So it actually, in the text, it says it withers away and does not persevere. 
So what is this moisture or water that we're talking about in verse 5? Well, if the seed is the gospel and it's good seed, okay, that's really good seed. If you really want to start a good farm, use that seed, okay? A good seed, warm environment, right? The sun's coming down, the reception of the word here, but here they're missing the moisture. So what is the moisture? Here, it's the working of the Holy Spirit. So Ephesians 1, 13, 14, and that is the next slide. Sliding into that, okay. In him, you are also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's possession to the praise of his glory. So it's the Holy Spirit, which we know works within us, is our seal of his promise and true belief. So when we believe in Christ Jesus, we, Jesus says that we have the Holy Spirit, the advocate that comes. He even said, it is better that I leave so the advocate could come. Well, I'm like, wow, the Holy Spirit could come. Wow. Like, if, if we were talking real right now, how many of us here in this room would be like, I want Jesus. I want the actual Jesus. But the thing is, every single one of us, when we accept Christ Jesus, and this affirms it, guarantee, deposit guarantee of the Holy Spirit, each and every single one of us is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Each and every single one of us now has the Holy Spirit because of Pentecost, because of the Holy Spirit coming down. And the disciples, they were speaking in languages that they didn't even understand, and these people were, were coming to faith, and it was just this blow up, right? It blew up, and we know that. So, and, and um, I'm, I'm going to quote um, Spurgeon here. Okay, love Spurgeon. He's uh, one of my favorite theologians. Okay, so bear with me here when I read it. Yeah, so this does not mean, first of all, that they lack the influence of the divine spirit when we speak of this spiritual dew. And he's talking about the moisture that we're lacking here. Um, we refer to the operation of the Holy Spirit. So when we talk of the river of the water of life, we mean those secret things when coming, streaming down from us from the throne of God through the working of the Spirit of God. So these people, and he's talking about this verse, verse 5, these people lacked that moisture. They were converted. So as far as they were converted at all, so now he's talking about belief, through eloquence of the preacher and a man who is converted by eloquence. So eloquence can be unconverted by eloquence. Or they were converted by the zeal and the earnest of Christian people. So he's saying here, guess what? If a man can convert you, then another man can unconvert you, unless it is the working of the Holy Spirit. Right? And that is what he's saying here. He goes on, and this is his point. But... And that's a big word there, right? But if you are converted by one man, not Christ, another man can unconvert you. All that is of man goes to be unraveled. All the spinning and the weaving of earthly machinery can be pulled to pieces, but the work of God's grace endures forever. Wow. The work 
of the Holy Spirit endures forever. So true belief comes from the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and it endures to the end and it does not sputter out and die like your 99 Fiesta on the highway. Okay? It does not sputter out. It's not a quick flash in the pan. And even, and we see, we see examples of this. I don't know if you know Josh Harris, who wrote the book, I guess, Dating Goodbye. 17 years he pastored Covenant Life Church. I am not judging him. I am just telling you. And he shared the gospel. And many people come, came to faith. But he rejected his faith and he walked away. He was pastored by, by Bible-believing leaders. People that still walk in faith today. And yet, he said he divorced his wife and walked away from the faith. And he said, I excommunicated myself because I was not living what the word of God says. Well, I, I give the man some credit there. He was at least honest about his walk. We see many pastors come and then they fall and all these scandals. But I mean, at least he's being real. Okay, at least he's being real. But the question remains, did he, did he lose his faith? Is this man... 17 years sharing the gospel, preaching the gospel. But as in, in his interview, he was like, I don't, I, I don't even know. I don't know if I, I believed or not. Right? Michael Gunger. Does anyone know the band Gunger? Okay? Lisa and Michael Gunger. That they grew up in this mega church. They were writing Christian music. Beautiful things. One of the top albums in 1999, uh, 2004, no, 2009, 2009. Thank you. Thank you, Emily. You didn't say that, but thank you. Okay. <laughs> I was reading your mind. So 2009, and in an interview, Lisa said she, it was like a, a transactional thing for them, right? They would go to these crazy concerts of like 5,000 packed arenas, and, they ju and she just felt that like, okay, this must be what it's about. And they led this megachurch and she went to um, World War II Museum and she's like, I, 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 can't, I, I can't reconcile this with a God. I, I can't reconcile this with, with this idea that, you know, God would, would let this happen. I, I, I can't reconcile this. And then she walked away from her faith and then Michael walked away from her faith. The guy from um, Hawk Nelson, right? Crazy Christian band, and you know, all these stories, right? So we could go on forever, but you see these stories, and you wonder, you sit there and you wonder, hmm, can you lose your faith, right? Well, I want you guys to know that, that when we look at Scripture, right, we see this in Scripture, that even during the real times that happen to us, even when, you know, things are happening to you, and I mean happening to you, and you just want to throw in the towel and you're ready to just like, God, where are you? Where are you? I need you right now. We see this fourth soil. We see the fourth soil here. And it's the working of the Holy Spirit. Because guess what? If we were the ones in charge of our faith, it would be a train wreck. Train wreck. <laughs> train rock. Yeah. No, train wreck. Right? It would be. But it's the power of the Holy Spirit that is leading us, right? It's not our own power. It's the spirit that helps us endure. The spirit is the one that keeps us in this posture of faith and repentance. It's not our work. So repentance is this fruit, one that the Holy Spirit helps us, convicts us with. And I want to be clear here. Conviction and shame are two different things. 
If you're convicted by the Holy Spirit, that's a good thing. I need to be convicted. I need a good kick in my butt. Matt Chandler, that man can preach. Okay? Kicks me, kicks me in the butt pretty much every day. Okay? I love that. But then there's shame. Sometimes we're, we're in the shame of, oh, I did this last night. And, and the devil starts to whisper things in our ears. And we start to believe that we can out sing the cross of Christ. And that's bogus. That's a lie. But I, wanna, I want you to know that it's not up to us. It's not up to us to carry salvation. It's Christ Jesus, the work, and the Holy Spirit. So, about this for soil. If you know deep down inside your heart that God is real, and you're, and, and you're fighting, and you're going to war, I mean war, against your sin, and he takes your hand, and he helps you stand, because none of us can do that in our own power. When Satan, raging war against us with temptation and sin, and we're just bloody, and we're bleeding, and we're on the floor, there's nothing that we can do to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. Thanks, America. Right? Okay? <laughs> nothing that we can do. We are dead in our sins. So you're a dead body. You're in a coffin. Have you ever seen anyone walk up out of a coffin? It happened one time. That's why I put, they put the bell. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, they put the bell and ding it, ding it, ding, I'm alive. Right? Okay? Actually did happen. But for this analogy, you are dead in your sin. You're, I'm, you'll, you'll look that up later. You're, you're welcome. Okay. No. But really, think about this, though. You're a dead body. You're in the water with your hands. You're sinking. You're done. And guess what? God throws you that line and pulls you back in. We need to know this about the fourth soil. So if you're there, you're bleeding every day. You're like, Lord God, I'm just, I'm just trying to get through the day, right? By the power of the Holy Spirit, he is with us. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And when we take his hand, whatever may befall you, no matter what happens to us, right? Our bodies will be burned. We will die. 100% of people live, they die. Except for Jesus, YOLO, right? Okay? Okay? It's true, though. But really, though, nothing can take us away from Christ's love. Nothing. I'm convinced that neither, nothing can separate us from God's love, neither life nor death nor angels, nor demons. Nothing are fears for today or worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell itself can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, I'm almost done here. Um, Bear with me here. I think this is really important, as I said. D.L. Moody said this. I think it's a really, really good quote. D.L. Moody said it, and he said this, and it directly applies to the rocky soil. He writes, faith that fizzles out before the finish was flawed from the first. Can you see that? My boy? Oh, yeah, no. Okay, cool. All right. Faith that fizzles out before the finish was flawed from the first. He probably worked on that for hours, right? All the Fs there, okay? But faith right, is something, faith, that is not genuine, will not endure. It will unravel. 
And if not outwardly to others, we see this with the examples that I talked about, right? Like 17 years ago, no one would even question Josh Harris and where he was at with salvation. But guess what? No one can. His story's not done. Am I right? His story's not done. And who are we to look at someone and say, your salvation is not genuine? Who are we? Who am I? Anyone. Because God is the final judge. So here, faith that fizzles out before the finish was flawed from the first. So here, the rocky soil grows. But since it doesn't have a root, it withers away. I have my doubts. All of us have our doubts. Am I right? We pray, Lord God, I believe, but help my unbelief. So many times. So many things happen in our lives. People come in. People go out. It's hard, right? It's a hard reality. But I want to share this with you. It's this. If you are fighting your sin, okay, if you are fighting your sin and you're going to battle against your sin, and you hate your sin, and yes, sometimes we all give in to our sin, but you have that accountability, you have that community behind you, and you repent, and you're sick and tired of being sick and tired of your sin, that is a sign of the Holy Spirit, right? That's a vital sign that you are alive and that you are fighting the devil, temptation, and his demons and everything that comes with them. It's a sign. I'm not going to say for sure, right? Because only God knows. But it's a sign that you have a root. It's a sign that you're alive. And so many of us think that we need to be perfect. So many of us think that a genuine Christian never struggles. Or a genuine Christian that if I murder someone, that I'm going to hell. That Hitler, if he repented and he said at the end of his life, I repent. And he truly did. That's how upside down Christ's love is. That he would forgive a man like Hitler. That he would forgive a man like me. Right? And then if we are fighting our sin, the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. And that is a sign of a root. And the sign of a root is a, true, a sign of a true Christian. So this moisture to fully grow a root is there if we are fighting our sin. So I want to end tonight to let you know that I am here. I'm fighting with you in every way. But this is why community is so important. Carrying each other's burdens. So many people don't have that community. And so many people don't want to open up about the wounds that they have carried. Because God, and we know this, Jesus writes a new story. And he does it especially when we're, we're open. When we're willing to say, I have these wounds. And I'm not perfectly help, health, healthy. I'm struggling. I need a sister or brother to come and help me up. That's why it's so important. And another thing, something that um, Chris Durkin said, um, if this is to help you in, in our battle of sin, if you're at peace with your sin, you are at war with God. If you're at peace with your sin, you're at work. You're at, sorry, you're at war 
with God. So lastly, I want to look at the third soil here. Okay, Third soil gets choked up by the thorns, by the cares of the world, and it's deceitful of riches, right? So, so many of us, right, our career path may have been, all right, for me, I was, I was hockey all the way. I wanted to go into business, make as much money as I could. I got there, and the Lord totally changed the narrative, right? I was there for two and a half years. I was one of the number two salesmen on the floor um, there, and then they brought in all these people from the Sixers. They fired the woman who was a Christian, actually, the only Christian besides me in, in the place, and she was going to bring me up, promote me to the next step. And I would have been, I probably still would have been there today. There's no way I would have, my whole life, my trajectory was I want to work in sports. And then that happened. It was beyond my control. But the Lord did it. And I could not be more happier today. Which blows my mind. Blows my mind. But the thing is this. A lot of us give into that. I still give into that. The, the blessings and the wonders, the seven wonders of the world, the money and, and all of that, sometimes it's sexy, right? And what happens is for a season, for a season, it's awesome. Maybe a season could be years and years and years. But what happens is it's a lie. It's a fraudulent lie. And every day, somehow, in some way, we are sold a lie that somehow we buy even if you're an authentic Christian, even if you're walking with the Lord, you're a sinner, you're going to sin. But the beauty of that is that if you have that root, if you know where to go as the beggar, we're, we're all beggars, telling another beggar where the food is, if you know where to go, the true root is in Christ Jesus. The true root is in the Lord. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish with this last thing, okay? Is this. If you are thinking about these ways that you might lose your salvation, or if you're struggling and you're reading some verses, which we will read next week, um, that are heavy hitters, and you're like, oh man, now like I thought I knew, but now I don't know anymore. Um, but I don't think, in conclusion... I don't believe, biblically speaking, you can lose your salvation. I don't think that's what the Bible adequately teaches. The parable of the sower here teaches that those who believe bear fruit and endure till the very end. Those who hear the word hold fast in honest and good heart who have a posture of repentance and faith will be saved. That's what the Bible says. So how on earth... Are we to say, how can we lose something that wasn't ours in the first place? How? How is that possible? You never earned it. I certainly did not earn it. Okay? So how are we going to lose it? Salvation is a gift from God. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this, For it is grace that you have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves. It is a gift, a big gift by God, not by Works. You can't earn it so that no one can boast. Did Jesus have to die again for our sins? No. And one last question. What are the parameters, if at all, because I don't see it in the word of God, where it says you lose your salvation. What, what are those parameters saying if you lose your salvation, blank, 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 blank. There isn't. It's not there. There are some really hard verses, though, 
Okay, and that's why it's still debate. So, and this is the last thing I'm going to say, is this. God is the great shepherd in every way. We are his sheep. He's leading us, calling us out, loving us, caring for us. And those sheep, the Bible says, cannot be taken from his hand. If you have a root, he, you cannot be taken from his hand. I'm going to read the scripture and we're done. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. How many times has he told us? How many times did it take for us to know who he was? The works I do in my father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my hand. I am the father and the father and I are one. If you go into a court of law and you try to emancipate yourself from your parents, you don't want to be an athlete anymore. That's my last name. Okay. Legally, the court may give you that you are no longer an athlete. You might be a Hinkley now. Okay. But guess what? Are you still an athlete? Yes, by blood. If you have the root, you are a son and daughter of the king. And no one can pluck you from the sand. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for being with us, for you speaking tonight. Lord, and we just... We just ask you, Lord, as we struggle with our sin, as we grapple with these verses, as we grapple next week with the verses that seem as though, when we look at them, that you can lose your faith. I thank you, Father, that this faith thing, this salvation is not up to me, that it's you as the final judge, that you determine who are your sheep. Father, and we just pray tonight that you would be with every single one of us and remind us that you hold us in your arms like a mother would hold a mother hen. Father, we just, we just lay our trials, our struggles, our questions tonight, the questions for the rest of the series at your feet, knowing that you have already paid the price. It is done. It is already finished, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. And we pray that over every single one here tonight. We pray over Jana, Lord God, as she is in a war zone, Lord God, for the faith of the others who are struggling, Lord God. We pray that you would lift them up on angel wings, on eagle's wings, and bring them to the throne room of heaven, reminding them that you are good, that nothing happens outside of your hand. So we thank you for every single one of us tonight in this community that you're working, the Holy Spirit is working to toil the soil of our hearts. So Father, we just pray tonight that we would have a posture of faith, that we would have a posture of repentance, that one day we would see you face to face and you would say, well done, good and faithful servant. Father, we thank you in your name. Amen. Amen.
All right. I don't know what time it is. It's nice for you to get a watch. Okay. To get a watch. Be careful.